Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor here at Lighthouse Fellowship. We're glad you've joined us by live streaming. We have a congregation here, also a live audience, and we're glad that you have joined us. We pray this past week has found you good, and we know that God's favor is in your life, and we know that God loves you, and God has a plan for you. So I pray today that through the Word of God, through our prayers, uh, we will pray for you, and we will continue to beseech the Lord and call upon his name to do the things that he desires to do in your life and all those who are gathered here today. I pray that God would continue to protect us from the virus. I believe that he is doing that. We know that we've lost a lot of loved ones, but we also know that it appears that this is sort of beginning to uh, diminish, and so we're glad, and we give God the praise. Amen? Sometimes, you know, God doesn't answer immediately, but we need to pray, not be discouraged, but to continue to pray and ask him because God hears the prayers of people who persevere and say, I'm not going to give up because I believe it's God's will that, that we obviously we live a, a vibrant life, a full life, a, a life of victory. So I pray today that God would give you victory if you have not experienced that. If you're in need of healing today, I pray and ask God to heal you and I ask God to deliver you. If you're dealing with some habits or addictions or things in your life, that God would just come and deliver you, set you free, and show you that abundant life that he talks about in his word, John chapter 10. So I just pray God would bless you today through the teaching and reading of his word. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege that we can come together in the holy and majestic, powerful name of Jesus, Lord. I pray every person here in this congregation today would experience you, would know you, would encounter you. And every person watching, whether today live or some a recording in the future, that they would encounter you because of your power as you release that through your word and through, obviously, the ministry of your spirit. So, Lord, we ask you to speak and let me get out of the way and let your word and your truth go forth and touch us, change our hearts as we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at the book of Ruth today. A little back Old Testament, right after the book of Judges. Judges is a little bit longer, and we're going to talk about it, because Ruth actually lived during the time of the Judges. And we'll look actually at verses, chapter 1 of Ruth. If you need to look in your concordance, that's good. That's okay, your index. And you can pull up, and we'll have it here on the screen. And uh, we'll we'll read it together. It's powerful. In the days of Judges, okay? Then we'll talk about it. Let's just read it together. And if you'd like to stand or sit, ever how you posture yourself before the Lord, just know, honor Him. Amen? In the days when the Judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judea, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. And the man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Ephraites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Limanek, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they married Moabite women, one named Orpah, and the other Ruth, after they had lived there about ten years. Both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. And when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. And with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on a road that would take them back to the land of Judah. And then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. And may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. And said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have... a any more sons? Who could become your husbands? And return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. 
At this, they wept again, and then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Give you just kind of, kind of a synopsis of what's happening. Okay, Naomi and Elimelech, her husband, go into the land of Moab, out of Judah. They're, they're Jewish people. They're Hebrew people. have left their homeland. Why? Because of famine in Judah, in, uh, in Bethlehem, Judah. So they go where there's food. Back then, a lot of times, people would leave their homeland because there was no food. There was famine in the land. And so she went back. And Elimelech and Naomi, for a time, was in the land of Moab. Moab actually was not a uh, God-fearing nation. They had a lot of idols and uh, all types of uh, other types of worship. Did not worship their God, Yahweh God, the one that the Jewish people uh, worshipped. And so at some point, obviously, they had two sons. At some point, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And obviously, Naomi had uh, her sons and who married two Moabite women, uh, Orpah and Ruth, while they were in that land. They've moved, okay? Uh, again, uh, <clears throat> and then the two sons died that had married uh, that had married Moabite women, people, the, girl, the ladies from Moab. And so when that happened there, uh, and they found out that the, the famine was diminishing in Bethlehem, Judah, they said, let's go back home. I'm going back to Bethlehem because I want to go back to my home country. And so the two Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth, wanted to go with Naomi because she was going back home. And so Naomi said, no, don't come back with me because obviously, you know, I can't supply husbands for you. You need to go ahead and find your own husbands now. And, and, and so one, Orpah, Finally said, okay, I'll go back to my home country. But what did Ruth do? It says Ruth clung to her. Ruth said, no, I'm going with you. And this is the story about, I believe, salvation, faith in God that is so important when you look at the little tiny book of Ruth and what it means today. It's obviously they were living in the time of what's called the Judges. And so people really were in deep sin back then. I mean, it was a dark time. And so the Bible says that in the book of Joseph, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And maybe that's the way we could see ourselves today, that everybody is saying, there's no standard. I mean, this God you serve, he puts too many restrictions on me. I don't want to follow that. I want to have fun. And what's happened, people have had too much fun in the wrong direction. God is not against us having fun. He wants us to have fun. But in the midst of that fun, he does not want us to sin against him. And, and he wants us to come to him because when you know God, I want to tell you, that's when the fun really starts. There's an adventure when we walk with him day in and day out. And so during that time of judges, the people were rebelling against God. They didn't want anything to do with the God of their fathers and so forth. And so they rebelled against them. And the pendulum swung. When the pendulum swung away from that, they sinned against God. And what did God do? He sent a judge in there. A, a person that had the anointing of God on them to tell them to return to the God of your fathers. And then they came back and they did it. And then after that judge at the end of that time and, and all they, the pendulum would swing again and they would rebel against God and they would be disobedient to God and not do the things that we know obviously God wants best for us. And then obviously they again, God had to send another judge in there. Well, these these people at that time, Elimelech and also Naomi and Orpha and Ruth lived during this time. It was a dark time. And so Naomi is seeing here that obviously she wants to get back to her people. She's got two daughter-in-law. Two of them are kind of clinging to her, kind of walking along with her and all. And, and so she's saying and saying, no, go back to your people because they were not, they were not Jewish people. They actually were uh, Moabites. They were from the, the land of Moab. And so she was telling them, go back to your people. Go back. Man, it would have probably been pretty easy for any of us if we were in that situation to go back to our people because that's where they were comfortable. 
That's where they were familiar with their country and so forth. And so, but the story here, here I believe, is very important in understanding what Ruth did in spite of the circumstances that happened. The title of this message is Decision. How many of you know, and maybe you come to a point sometimes and, and they're like decision after decision after decision after decision. Decisions, decisions, decisions. Isn't life made up of that? Every day. And life is made up of big choices and little choices. One decision after another. Sometimes it's almost like you become fatigued from trying to look and trying to get through decisions, don't you? You're like, gosh, there's one more thing. There's one more challenge that I've got. There's one more thing that's happening in my life that I never expected. And so what am I going to do? I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks or so some things I think will be greatly helpful for you in this life. Because I want to tell you, life is not easy. Y'all know that. I don't have to tell you that. Life is very difficult. Life is a uphill battle. So how is it that we can thrive? How is it that we can have victory in this life and serve the Lord and serve others and obviously have the abundant life that God wants to give us in spite of these circumstances? We're going to talk about it. Listen to this story. At seven o'clock on the morning of December the 7th, 1941, two soldiers were on duty at a small radar station in the Pacific Ocean. Suddenly, their radar screen filled up with hundreds of dots until entirely filled. These soldiers quickly notified their young supervisor, a lieutenant. No other officer was around, it being a Sunday. So the lieutenant thought that this must be the planes from California. And without another thought, he said these critical words, don't worry about it. 20 minutes later at 7.50 on December the 7th, uh, 1941, the Japanese surprise attack on Pearl Harbor began. 353 Japanese airplanes swarmed over the harbor. And within a couple of hours, America lost eight battleships, six major airfields, almost all of its planes, and 2,400 men. There would have been time to scramble the planes at Pearl Harbor, prepare the battleships, and shelter the men. But this lieutenant, in the most important moment of his career, made a very simple, seemingly insignificant decision that had momentous consequences. Y'all know the story of Pearl Harbor, 1941. The surprise attack, evidently, they had some warnings. But this lieutenant made the decision, crucial decision, don't worry about it. It must be the planes coming from California. But instead, it was obviously in the midst of World War II and destroyed there at Pearl Harbor uh, on Oahu, on that island there. Decisions that we make every day have consequences, don't they? How many of you know that? You've gone through life and, and sometimes you feel like, have I made the right decision? Have I done the right things? And, and sometimes, you know, obviously those things are good and those things are right. But, but as you look back over your life, if you think about it, as your life is made up of all those decisions and all those choices that you have made. And when you come to the end of your life, you look at that and you do what I would call, and many people, I worked hospice, people will do what's called a life review. And say, did I make a difference in people's lives? Did I make the right choices in things? Some good choices, some we didn't. And God knows that. That's why Jesus came. There's hope. Jesus came, obviously, as a result here. So our study today speaks to us about the importance of decisions. Our life is shaped largely by the decisions that we make. And obviously, uh, I am what I am for both the good and for the bad as a Christian Certainly, myself as a husband, as a father, uh, as a minister here, and as a, a person, mostly because of past decisions that I have made in my life. And so someone once said, decision de dis determines destiny. Our destination determines that. Another put it this way, history is made up whenever you make a decision. Your decisions, really, if you think about it, in a way, they're eternal, aren't they? They last on and on. And so every day you live, we all literally make hundreds of decisions. And every day we're pressed for decisions, 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 decisions. Isn't that true? And so how can we maneuver through life 
I mean, to be successful in life with all these decisions and all these choices. Read a little article that came from a, a newspaper in San Francisco, California some years ago. It says, prominent members of San Francisco society crowded St. Peter and Paul Church in San Francisco for the wedding. And at the stipulated moment in the ceremony, the dazzling bride was asked, do you take this man for your lawfully wedded husband? And she said, I don't know. Anybody ever experienced that? I just can't make up my mind. That's what she said. And so the minister waited a moment and then announced to the audience, the wedding is over. And so the reception was canceled and all the money was lost, of course. But as the story goes, several uh, weeks later, the bride changed her mind and said, I want to get married. So I hope it all worked out, certainly. But at that time, she couldn't make the decision. She could not make that decision. Well, in our text, there are three decisions here made which influenced the lives of three women forever. One, Naomi. One, uh, Orpha, which was her daughter-in-law. And the other daughter-in-law was Ruth. Three decisions here that affected these three ladies. And that's what we want to talk about today. And so obviously these women faced uh, trying times in their lives. They didn't have food. There was a famine. They were under a lot of stress because of that. And think about it. Naomi had lost her husband. And then the daughter-in-laws had lost their husbands also. They died. So you know they were grieving. They were obviously hurting as a result of the losses in their life. And so they had to make certain decisions. And you know, when you and I are under trials and testing, sometimes uh, obviously we, we're put under a decision. And, and we make a decision based on that. And sometimes out of that hurt, or maybe that disappointment, or maybe that frustration, and we make a decision that we look back on and said, if I could go back at that time, I would have made a different decision than what I made. So it's important to understand how important choices are in life, certainly. The first here, I believe, uh, decision here that Naomi decided to cover it up. She decided to cover it up here. What did she do? when she was coming down and she finally is going back to Bethlehem. She's leaving Moab and she's going back to Judah, Bethlehem, Judah. She made the decision there, obviously, to tell the two women to go back, to go back to their country. Naomi was a God-fearing lady. Naomi had faith. And yet she told her two daughter-in-laws to go back into a godless society and a godless country. Go back there. And so we know probably Naomi was grieving because she had lost her husband. She was out of her land. She was out of a place where obviously she probably grew up and so forth and all. They had to get out because of famine. And in all of that, she told them to go back into the heathenism, the paganism, the people there who did not believe in their God, did, had, did not have faith in their God, and so she tried to cover it up. Why is that? Why did she try to cover it up? I believe that one reason could be that I thought of is the fact that uh, they had not raised their sons in the proper manner, you see. At that particular time of history, and I'll share with you in the present day, is their two sons were obviously went into the land of Moab and married Moabite women. And that was strictly against the law of God. God says in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 7, he says, don't marry women in a foreign land. Don't marry women that are uh, in that land who, who know nothing about me, who won't, don't want, they don't want to know anything about me, and don't marry them. And so I believe possibly Elimelech and Naomi had not raised their, their boys there in that land to know the one true God. And that's why. She wanted to cover it up. She probably felt guilty. She probably felt some shame over that. We didn't raise them up like that. And here they died, obviously. And, she, and basically, Naomi just wanted to probably get out of Dodge. She just wanted to get out of there. They had not done what God told us to do. You know, what breaks my heart today is, is that many children out here, even in this immediate community, and I've shared with you over and over again, is the children, know no, they know nothing about Jesus. 
They have no idea who Jesus Christ is. And they're being raised in a spiritual void to where as they get older, which is probably more difficult for them to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, nothing's impossible with God. He can save people at any age. And I've experienced that as I work with, uh, obviously, a hospice situation. But people need to know the Lord from, from the day from up. You need to talk to your children, kids, grandkids about Jesus Christ. And see, it's so important to impart that truth of the faith in their lives at an early age. Because that's when they're teachable, aren't they? As they get older, they're a little bit more hard-headed, like all of us. And they don't want to know anything about God. And, you know, this is my, my parents' religion and my parents' faith and so forth. But see, Naomi had not had done, probably had not done that because they raised, they they married those Moabite women, and they knew it was against the law of God. Because what happens is when you marry in a situation where the spouse does not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be challenged more because they don't have the same values, they don't have the same faith, or the same morals that you have. And so it's good to come together as a family and, and come to know Jesus together in that way and to marry people of like faith, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. I, I always tell a story here. Some years ago, I was asked to, uh, this lady called me and uh, someone had suggested they call me as a minister to do their wedding. And the lady, the lady called me asking me about the details. And so uh, I said, uh, I said, I need to ask you, your fiance. I said, uh, you know, how well do you know him? I've got to know the lady over the phone. And I said, uh, does he have the same religious values that you have? And I, she thought, she, what do you mean? I said, well, for one thing, obviously the church doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. But I said, does he go to church with you? She said, no, he doesn't go to church with me. And I said, well, does he understand how important that is to you? And she said, I think he does, but he still doesn't want to go to church with me. He doesn't want to have anything to do with my faith. He has nothing to do with it. I said, well, are you going to raise your children in a home that has brought, been brought up to know Jesus Christ and so forth? She goes, well, he said that he would consider that, but I'm not sure. And I said, do you feel like that's important in your life? I said, yes. And she said, you know, Jim, he, she said, I've been battling with this about this because I've been struggling with it because I, I know what you're saying and, and so forth. But I, you know, I still I mean, he's a good man and, and I, I want to marry him. I'm in love with him. But I said, most importantly is you don't obviously become unequally yoked. And when that happens, there is. There can be real issues down the way. Why? It's because God's word said it. The same way back in when God said, don't marry people, ladies in foreign lands. Don't do that. Marry those that have the same principles, the same faith you have, and, and, and come together like that. And so I told her then on the phone, I said, I'm sorry. And I hate to tell you this, but I can't, I can't do the ceremony. And she said, I understand. I certainly understand. So what happened, I believe, was they went to the justice of peace and, uh, and went on. And what I heard some years later, they got divorced. You know, what happens is we become unequally yoked and we don't have it. You see, this is what happened in this story, we believe. And so Naomi, instead of confessing to the Lord, Naomi tried to cover it up. Now, don't we act the same way? Don't we sometimes even... In, in certain circumstances is to we try to cover it up instead of going to the Lord when you mess up and I mess up we all mess up and say Lord I did it and that's actually confession and so you know obviously the confession just get, releases you from the shame and the burdens and the things on your life because you know God forgives you when you confess your sins to him but what do we do we hide it we kind of tuck it away and we think it's gone away and then all of a sudden something comes out maybe anger or whatever that comes out of your heart and here it is again and many times it's because you haven't dealt with it it's because we have not come before the lord and god just says bring it to me i want to forgive you jesus's arms are open wide just like run to the father the song 
And we run to him. What? What's it say? Again and again and again and again. Amen. Now that's very, very helpful to understand that our father takes us back, always takes us back. The devil tells you, you've messed up too many times. And God is not going to take you back, you see. But you see, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. God takes us back when we say, I did it. Lord, I confess it. I can't carry this load any longer. I run to the Father again and again and again. So Naomi messed up because she tried to cover it up instead of confessing. So there are a couple things here in applications here. Don't try to cover it up. Secret life never works. When you're transparent before the Lord and when you just come and, and say, hey, I need prayer. Or I need your, I need counsel. I need, I need to know here. I'm, I'm struggling here. You see, the body of Christ is for that. But what do we think? We think that the body of Christ will somehow look down our nose at individuals and so forth. When really, we only by God's grace can we go through this. And the same thing may happen to us. So we're all in it. And we want to help one another, don't we? Amen. Because it's humility in saying, Lord, we want to be free. And the church is the place that people should come to and, and run and, and pour their hearts out to their God because God is always there listening. God's always there willing to accept us and forgive us and to make things right. That's good news. So one application, don't hide it here because what happens? It's a stronghold develops. We continue to hide it and hide it and a stronghold develops. And, and then it's harder to break that. God can break that and he can deliver us. But it's more difficult under those circumstances. So once the sin becomes a habit, it does require radical measures to root it out. Don't cover it up. The second lesson I believe I see in these is, you know, Naomi, she backslidden. She had gotten away from the Lord. And actually, these they, they were trying to give advice from a backslidden person. Somebody, you need to obviously have somebody that that has come before the Lord, somebody you can trust, somebody you know that walks with the Lord, whatever it may be. And Naomi gave ungodly counsel. She did that, didn't she? You know, all of us are, we said in Sunday school, under construction. (laughs) We haven't arrived, thank God. We are not there yet. We're all on this path wanting to to go and, and just one day we'll meet Jesus and grow in our faith and so forth. And so we build one another up in the faith. That's what we're here for today. To build one another up in the faith today. We're not to look down our nose at somebody. We're to help one another. We're to lift people up today. Why? It's because Jesus does that. And he wants you to know today, every time we come to him, he listens and he, he responds in a way that will obviously help you. You know, sometimes something's going on. And, and you know, sometimes, not real often, but sometimes I have little pity parties. I know none of y'all have that. But I do. I kind of get down in the dumps and, oh, poor me. You know, I have a little pity party and all and so forth. And I remember the last time that 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 happened. I was like, oh, gosh, you know, I mean, everything is going wrong. And, oh, poor. I mean, it is this or that, you know, and you're just grumbling. You feel life is is just terrible. And, you know, it's just it doesn't it's not worth it. Blah, blah. And all this stuff. And I remember the Lord impressed on my heart. He's like, what are you doing? And, you know, I had to answer that question. And when I said, well, I didn't want to say, Lord, I'm in a pity party because I know he doesn't like pity parties. Okay, so I came back and I said, Lord, I'm in a pity party. And I said, I know I don't want to be in that pity party. And what the Lord basically said to me is stop it. I said, "Okay, yes, sir. And that was that. And what happened, I turned around. Things began to turn around. And I could feel that burden lifting physically. I actually felt it lifting off of me. Because before then, I had like heaviness on me. Why? It's because I was going, oh, poor me. Oh, poor me, you see. I was down in the dumps and so forth. And the issue is not that we won't have those times. The issue is don't stay there. Our God will lift us up when you humble yourself. And say, yes, you're right, Lord. I did it. I was having a pity party. I was down in the dumps and so forth. But I said, you pulled me up out. And you lifted me up out of that that I was in. 
And he'll do it every time, you see. So don't allow something to come in and continue to, to keep you in bondage. Don't cover it up. Continue to talk to him about it. The second thing is here, notice that Orphra, she decided to give up. She started out with good intentions. Naomi's going back. You ladies go back to Moab, you know. And, and, and remember, Orpha said, no, I'm going with you. Her decision was, I'm going with you, Naomi, uh, and, and I, I want to go back with you. But in that time period, in that time, she finally came to a point and she gave up and she went back to Moab and back to her heathen country who didn't know God. And so she walked away from that time that basically is that basically she could have come to know the, the real true living God, but she chose to give up. I want to encourage you today. Do not give up. Do not give up. Don't give up when you persevere and you continue on saying, I will build my life upon a firm foundation of love and I will not be shaken. Amen. And you make that declaration. You may have to say it out loud so that obviously any, any spirit around you is contrary to the will of God hears that and says, I can't stay in that presence of, because that, that person is having faith in God. Make that declaration. I will not be shaken. Have you ever just said that? And it's not your strict determination that gets you through it. It's the power of God's Spirit that gets you through it. But it takes by taking and speaking those words out because words have power in it. And just say, I will not be shaken. I am going to get through this. How many of you ever, ever gone through something where you finally had to say, uh-uh, I'm going to get through this. I'm going through this. Can you uh, raise your hand? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay. I mean, all of us hit difficult times. I will not be shaken, you see. But what happened? Orpha, she gave up, turned around, and went back to the country of paganism. And you know, nothing more is said about Orpha any longer at all. And the issue is, is that uh, she was never ever written about again. Because she gave up, you see. Don't give up. If you, you're here today, I believe it's ordained by the Lord. But I believe today, don't give up. You see, sometimes people hear the word of God and they get real close to God. And they really have an emotional experience. They really do. But they never, ever give their hearts to Jesus Christ. They never confess. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Confession. Some people never get to that point. They get real close. But they're never really, they're not born again. They're not saved. They get close enough. And Orpha was really close there. Obviously, Naomi was not God. But she represented there the Yahweh God, Jehovah God of the Jewish people. But she got real close. But she turned around and left. A lot of people today have come into the church. Doesn't save you. I make that statement. Y'all know that. Jesus saves you. But people have come into the church house and, and all. And maybe somehow the church, the, the pastor irritated them. And he obviously sometimes. You know, I've always heard, well, why would you stop coming to church? And they always, a lot of people would say, well, they, the pastor keep kept talking about money. I've always, you know, always talking about money and so forth, you know. Uh, we should give and we should get tithe and certainly we do that. And I talk about it every now and then. But the issue is today, they leave the church. I met people on their deathbed and I said, did you ever hear, did you attend a church somewhere and listen to the word of God. Did you ask Jesus Christ in your life? And, and they would tell me. No I did not. And I left the church. Because obviously somebody ticked me off. In the church. Or somebody obviously didn't, didn't say hello to me. When I said hello to them. Or whatever it may be. You see. Jesus said the church is for the sick. Not for the well. It's for the sick. Hallelujah. Thank God I, I fit right in. And maybe you do also. But they get real close to salvation and they're not quite saved. They've come to church all their lives, but they've never made a confession that Jesus Christ is Lord over their lives. Never. And they don't make it because they're never really born again. I encourage you today. Anybody watching this and you've said, hey, my parents went to church and all I want to go into church and so forth, whatever. 
I just encourage you, take that step and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Whoever, somebody, anybody in here, and don't wait. Because you see, you can't come to the Lord anytime you want. The Bible says that we cannot draw to the Lord unless the Spirit of God draws them. You can't come to the Father. It's got to be the Spirit drawing you. When that Spirit, the Spirit draws you and you feel convicted and you feel like, I want Jesus in my life, do it. Step out in faith, you see. And don't wait. You don't know when that wooing will stop. You have no idea. But you can't just come to the Lord. Some people will say, I'll come to Jesus after I've had all my fun. They may never, ever come to Jesus. The day, the Bible says, the day is the day of salvation. The day is the day to make a decision for Jesus if you feel God knocking on, knocking on your heart's door. I'm not trying to put guilt on you. I'm saying what God's word is. And God is saying today that obviously in this case, Orpah came real close, but she didn't make it. She turned around, never to be heard of again. She returned to heathenism and the world, obviously. She most likely never found the true God, obviously, and she's never written again in the pages of history. That was it completely. Today is the day of salvation. The third truth here, I believe, is, is that Ruth, here we go, Ruth decided to stand up. She said, no. Remember what she said? She said this. She said, where you go, I'm going. Who, where you're going is my country, and, and your God is my God. That's what she said. So Ruth clung to Naomi, and we'll find out in the rest of the story. Wonderful truths in here. He, she said, she claimed then. You see, we'll see Ruth in heaven, okay, because she had faith. She said, your God is my God. Your home is my home. And she went with him at that time. And so when faced with difficulties in life, the only right thing to do is what? Stand up and trust God. You haven't answered every question that's there, every decision, every problem no i don't i don't know what tomorrow holds for jim barcliff and neither do you but i know if i make a decision i make a declaration that i will trust god and i will stand up and not not back down you'll be able to go through because you'll press through those things why it's because god honors faith god honors faith god will give you the strength to do it isn't that good news is that ruth stood up and she made the right right decision but obviously Many people today are have they want to go back. They want to to cover up, and a lot of them want to give up. But obviously, Ruth she stood up. Obviously, in her backslidden condition, Naomi pressured Ruth to go back. She was backslidden. She'd go back over there, not even thinking these ladies needed to know the true God. And that's the truth too today. That we can obviously push people away. And, and sometimes, you know what happens when things get tough and, and all, sometimes it's kind of like all this doing right things. I mean, it's not paying off like I thought it would. You know, it looks like to me, the guys down the street who are doing everything they want to do, they have more fun than I'm having. And it looks like maybe, obviously, those around me and all, maybe, hey, it looks like they're doing okay. Why do I need to trust the Lord and so forth? And what happens is we want to go back to that old life. We've accepted Jesus. And sometimes, you know, we just want to go back and say, this is not this is not good. I'll chuck it all and just get, go back into that old life, you see. And that's what the enemy wants you to do is go back into that instead of trusting the Lord. You see, the good thing about prayer is and the good thing about an assembly of people corporately is we can pray for you. We can lift you up because we all are in together under construction, whatever the term you want to use, and we can pray for one another. That's why it's so important to have our faith stirred when you come in the church house to be encouraged today. God wants to be encourager. He is the God of all encouragement, the God of all comfort. That's who he is. He just does that. But we need to stand together. Don't go back. Don't turn back. So Ruth made the right decision. And here are the results. First of all, she had a good testimony. She had a wonderful testimony, you know, about who she was. You'll find that as we go through the rest of the book of Ruth. And, you know, obviously, I've always heard the saying, and maybe it doesn't apply to everybody, but obviously, as you get older, is that, you know, um, you're hoping the preacher can say something good about you at your funeral, right? Anybody here agree with that? You hope the preacher can find something 
good to say about you at your funeral. Anybody ever thought about that? I have. <laughs> okay. I want him. So a testimony is powerful. What, what do you want your testimony to be? A testimony of a God-fearing man, a God-fearing woman, or a testimony of someone that's just sort of threw the towel in and went their own way. Ruth hung in there. The second result here is she became an ancestor of Christ. She was in the lineage of Jesus because we'll find out later is that she married Boaz and actually there in the bloodline that took place, she actually was in the lineage of Jesus. Isn't that something? We'll determine that. Never heard of it. Kinsman Redeemer. She married her kinsman redeemer. We'll study about that. It's so important. You'll hear that term used uh, quite often here in the next few weeks also about this. She married there. So what I'm saying in this situation is your decisions have eternal consequences. You know, when you tell somebody and speak a good word of encouragement to somebody, and maybe you, you have a, 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 a witness of faith and, and that I'm going to trust the Lord and so forth, you don't think anybody's looking. You don't think anybody sees your life and you don't know who's watching you. I remember years ago, I was working in manufacturing. I wasn't in ministry at the time. And a lady told me, she said, you know, I, I've been looking and I'm not using me as an example, but I remember she, her saying, because I had no idea people looked at my life and were looking at me. And she said, I, I've been watching your life. And I thought about it then. I said, you have? Because <laughs> I'm thinking, what did I do? <laughs> you know, people watch us. So we need to we need to know when when we don't even know that we're making a difference in somebody's life, a word of encouragement, a prayer or maybe God bless you or whatever it may be. If we sort of help somebody monetarily or whatever it may be, let me tell you, that has eternal blessings to it. That's a great thing. It's beyond anything we can imagine. No decision that we make is without some type of consequence. It's good to know that. But what had happened if Ruth had said, no, I'm going back to Moab with Orpah? What would happen then? Ruth went on back. She would not have been a part of the bloodline of Jesus Christ. When we look at David, obviously, Obed, and then Jesse, and then David there, and then eventually the bloodline through the New Testament of Jesus there. She would not have been there. And certainly she made that choice. And you and I make a choice every day whether or not to follow the Lord, don't we? And yet we know sometimes that we don't always get it right. And God knew that. That's why he sent Jesus. And he forgives us. And he restores us. And he makes us a new creation when we accept him in our lives. And that's the blessing of knowing that. And, and in this particular case, he would have found some other way. But Ruth would not have had the blessing of the Lord, you see. And God wants to bless his people. But when we make the choices God would have us to make, you see, what we have and receive are the best blessings. God blesses, doesn't he? And he blesses no matter what. Thank God he does. But if you really want God's best, then we need to be obedient and to follow him, whatever he shows us to do and to be. That's the blessing. Make the decision based upon the word of God. Prayer. Go to the Lord and ask him about prayer. Uh, the other day I was praying. I need to be reminded of this. You know, we're all human. And some people say, ah, oh, you pa you're pastors. You, have, you, know, you don't have this. Or something. No, I have this many problems than everybody here, okay? We all do, okay? We're still in this body. We're still human. And I was praying, and I was like, Lord, are you hearing my prayer? I was thinking. And I didn't really, my faith was not stirred in that. Do you, are you hearing me? And, and then it was almost like the, the Lord was right there. And he is, he's here with you right now. And he's like, yes, I'm your father, Jim. I'm your father. I love you. I'm hearing you and I'm answering your prayers. I heard your prayers before you even asked it. The Bible says, and I, the reality that I experienced that in my life. And I went, Wow then God is listening. God hears me. And God loves me. And God has not left me. He's listening to me. He's answering my prayers. And He wants me to know Him. Same for everybody here today. All of you are listening today. And that reality became in my heart that I realized. So God has not left you. God is not disappointed in you. God is not frustrated with you. God wants to give you life. And take you out of that darkness. And put you into his glorious life. 
And that life is in Jesus Christ. And walk with him every day. Can't be any better than that. Amen. Can't be any better than that. Just know him. Talk to him. Tell him all about it. He knows. You say, but he's God. He already knows. Yeah, but he wants you to tell him. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to know that he's working things out. Because sometimes we look at things. You know what? There's so many decisions that I have to make. You know, my prayer many times is, Lord, I have no idea what to do in this situation. Anybody here ever experienced that? Raise your hand. Amen. I have no idea. There are too many situations that are going haywire in my life. Okay. I have no idea. You know what I tell him? I go to him. I said, Lord, I have no idea what to do in this situation. It's too complicated. It's too difficult. It looks like it's impossible. It looks like there's no way out of this. It may be a financial situation. It may be just a personal situation, whatever it may be, whatever it may be. And I have no way out of this. And I say, but you do. And I'm going to trust you with it. Do you know what happens when that takes place? When you give him that? God just comes in and he works things out like you've never, ever imagined. And you know what he wants to do is give you his best. The Bible says, cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. So I just say, hey, I cast all these cares on you, Lord. I cast every care on you because I got a lot of them and I can't carry them. And I'm tired and weary and I know you can carry them because your word says so. And I cast them on you. And you say, but Jim, sometimes I do that, but I take them back. Give it to him again until finally you've given it in the hands of Jesus Christ. You see, decisions, decisions, decisions. It's important to know. Every decision is important. And today, this is not to bring guilt or shame or condemnation because there's none of that in Jesus. You're in Jesus, none of that. But it's here to give you encouragement. You have a kinsman redeemer. His name is Jesus, who gave his life for you, who went the full extent. He didn't just kind of lay his riches down. He did that. But he laid his life down and he hung on a cross and he took the sins of the world. Every sin, no matter how horrendous it is today that maybe you have committed, maybe whatever it may be, you see. And Jesus has taken that sin of the most vile sinner. Because some people say, I haven't really done a whole lot wrong and so forth. And yet all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And maybe today you're just saying, how can I be free from this? I want to know eternal life through Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you today that you would just bow your heads and ask Jesus to come into your life and save you and deliver you and set you free. Because, see, that's his whole mission. That's what he wants to do. He doesn't want you to wait till you get heaven. He's heaven. He wants to do it today. And the day is the day of salvation. So if Lord, the Lord has spoken to you today, I don't want you to obviously cover up or to give up, but I want you to stand up. You see, the truth never changes. The lies and all the things we've learned here, but this one thing doesn't change, and that is truth. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible says no man comes to the Father except through Jesus. What about all those other people? No man comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Not being arrogant. It's just the way God planned it. We'll talk about that in the future, but it's the only way. Come to Jesus today. And you go, I don't understand that. I don't know. I understand it. You don't have to understand it. And you go, well, I wouldn't have sent my only son to die for the sins of the world. Yeah, I know. But God did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He just said, run to the Savior. Run to the Father. And give him your heart today. Today is the day. Whatever your burden is, lay it down. You've come here today. God has spoken to your heart. And God is saying, I want to do a work in your life. So the question is, will you be a Orpha or Ruth? Which one? Anybody? Let's be a Ruth. Amen. Let's be a Ruth and stand up and, and build our lives upon that firm foundation of God's love and not be shaken. When things come our way. Because undoubtedly they will. Right? You know. All this stuff out there today. And the, the, just the life. And the difficulties of life. God says come to me. I want to take it from you.
Ruth walked in her destiny. But she got out of her comfort zone. And so let's bow our heads for prayer. If there be anyone watching this live stream today or anyone in this congregation who never has really confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life and you believed in your heart that God raised him from the dead, today would be the day. If God has knocked on the door of your heart, then just open your heart and say, Lord Jesus, come in. And maybe even today, Jesus came in the first time and certainly I sometimes I just say, Lord Jesus, I tell him again, I'm saved, but I tell him myself because it reminds me that Jesus Christ is my Lord. So come into my life, Lord Jesus, and save me. I believe that I, I'm a sinner and I know you came to save me and I want to be in heaven with you forever and ever and I want to live that abundant life that Jim's been talking about here today and I want to make right decisions in my life. Today would be the day that you would just receive and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and he come into your life to make such a drastic difference and to give you that life that obviously gives you indescribable joy. If you've lost your joy today, you've lost your joy, you're weary because of the COVID or maybe financial issues or maybe family issues, nothing make any difference. And you've lost that joy. Today would be to come and just say, Jesus, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And Jesus will do that. He will do it. You're on the road. And God's saying today, he wants you well, he wants you whole, and obviously he, he wants you blessed in your life. Isn't that good news? So, Lord, we just put that in your hands today. Anybody that's watched this, anybody here today, obviously always open to pray and to talk to you about Jesus and, and how you can have life, life like never described before, a life that doesn't eliminate difficulties, but a life that gives you the surety that you have a Savior who will never leave you and will help you every step along the way. Father, thank you and praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for watching today. I thank you for, for being a part of this, uh, this, the Word of God going forth today. I pray every person blessings upon you. I pray blessings upon you. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. You see you next week. And uh, we pray any word that you have. We're Lighthouse Fellowship here in League City, Texas. And uh, we just pray that you would be blessed. Come by and visit with us. We'd love to see you. And we will continue to pray for you. God, God bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you.